go. There we are. Um, Mother Beth and I have had the joy recently of uh, doing a lot of babysitting with uh, our grandson Eli. He's four years old. He's exciting, and he makes our lives exciting. Uh, a little while ago, we decided uh, on a, an outing to go over to Norris Dam. It's you know, it's wonderful things. How can a kid not like Norris Dam? And uh, we did interesting things with that. Eventually, we go to the Overlook, you know, and there's sort of uh, a wall there with a rail on it. You stand up high and look down, down and see the dam, and down and see the river, and all of that. And I wasn't really prepared for the experience. Uh, because as we stood there, and Eli, at four years old, is pretty generally fearless. Uh, I mean, he would have walked on top of the wall if I'd have let him. And, uh, and in fact, I was having to do what I could to keep him from doing it. But I noticed that even as he got close to the rail, just close to the rail, I, that awful feeling of, of uh, acrophobia, the fear of heights, that you can just sort of feel it in the pit of your stomach, and, and uh, it was awful. I was just, oh, you know, and so I was suddenly that uh, overwatchful grandparent. Come back, come back, don't get near the edge of the rail. Um, so I've been lately aware of heights and things. I've, I uh, have been doing some uh, looking at on uh, oh, just YouTube things, taking some tours of Britain lately and the Scottish islands. And all of them seem to have a common feature here and there, and that is sheer cliffs. You know, you're looking at some Scottish island, it looks totally green, a wonderful pasture, and then suddenly, you know, 500 feet straight down to the North Atlantic or something. And I, I think, I, I wouldn't even want to live on the island just because I might accidentally fall off a cliff. Uh, and it, it, there's that, just that awful thought and that feeling. So I had this image today as I was working on this sermon of a line of people walking along the tops of the White Cliffs of Dover, which are a great sheer drop into the English Channel. The uh, first thing is, is I want to know what is wrong with the English. Why is there not a rail along the top of the White Cliffs of Dover. Maybe it would just ruin the photo op, but there's not a rail. What? And there's not only not a rail, if you look at it, these little things, as you see these little flyovers and stuff, there's a little path running along beside it. And I think, where are your grandparents? <laughs> where is your mother? How did you ever create a rail, I mean, a, a trail along the edge of this cliff? So I have this image in my mind of, let's just say, oh, a thousand people walking in a line along the edge of the White Cliffs of Dover. And now to up the level of your acrophobia, let's suppose they're all tied together with a rope. Okay, if I'm walking in this long chain of people tied with them on the rope along the edge of, the, of a 500-foot drop off a cliff, one of the things I will be doing is not just paying attention to how I'm walking, I'm paying attention to how you're walking. You know, because I'm tied to you, 
And if you suddenly kind of go idiot and jump off the cliff, somebody's going with you. Part of me feels like a thousand people are going to go with you and we'll play lemmings. You know, and just jump off the cliff into the sea. Well, why, Father Stephen, did you have an image like that in your mind today? Well, if you will, it's, it's a terrible image, but it's an image of connectedness. Uh, that we, in fact, uh, do walk along the edge of a cliff together of life and death. Uh, and we are connected as if tied together by a rope, by a single common humanity, such that your death is my death. Uh, we are a highly individualistic culture. And when we're really at our worst and at our meanest, we tend to want to say, well, that's your problem. You jump off the cliff. I'm fine. And it's just not so. You know, it's not so. What happens to you happens to us all. This is an important image to bear together, and this is, this is something the fathers took for granted, our single common humanity. And it's into our single common humanity that God becomes man. He not only becomes a man, that is true, but he also becomes man, that is human. Uh, and uh, I think it was the term uh, St. Silouan used. He talked about the whole Adam, all of humanity as a single man, as the whole Adam. When Christ unites himself to us, he came down and tied the rope around himself and walks the cliff with us. There's no walking it alone. There's no Jesus standing back and giving directions and saying, y'all get back from the cliff. And Jesus is there. And in fact, I, I sometimes think he's not only there, I know for a fact he goes over the cliff with us. It's called Pascha. And his cross, he goes over the cliff with us that he might bring us back with himself. He took upon himself our common humanity and in that unites himself to the consequences of our lives. Jesus used a different image to describe the same thing. James and John came to him once. They were in a kind of a cheeky mood and they said to him, grant us when you come into your kingdom to sit on your right and on your left. And don't tell the other ten <laughs> that we just asked that. They come to Jesus and say, we want to be the best. We want to be the special ones. Jesus says to them, can you drink? Can you drink from the cup that I drink from? This is his image of the rope, a single cup. Can you drink from my cup? And they're bold and say, oh, Lord, we're able. We're able. He says to them, you will drink from my cup. James is beheaded later. John, the only apostle to die of old age, 
had been boiled in oil once and survived it and was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, nonetheless, perhaps it was a lighter cup than James, but it was the same cup. Will you drink of the same cup? Uh, Jesus has united himself to us uh, and invites us to unite ourselves to him. The, uh, on this Sunday following Christmas, we commemorate uh, this year St. Stephen, the proto-martyr. He drank from that cup, the same cup Christ drank from. He drank it to the bottom. So he was able to say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He not only drank from the cup, he drank from it with the same style. Jesus drank his cup. James, the brother of the Lord, we commemorate this day. He drank from the same cup. He was thrown from the top of the temple and clubbed to death and drank from the same cup. In these days, we also remember the holy innocents, the 10,000 children around Bethlehem who were given to drink that cup as those born out of time and shared in the cup of Christ. More profound than this, because you're not going to rush out the door here and suddenly get you know, your head cut off and stoned and beaten and clubbed to death. Um, instead, Jesus asks, will you drink from my cup? And he invites us to it this way. He says, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, You've done it unto me. This is the cup he would have us drink in our common humanity. The sorrow and the suffering of my brothers and sisters, the least of them, is my suffering and sorrow. There was an egregious op-ed in the Wall Street Journal this week. Uh, John Suits uh, drew my attention to it. Uh, I read it. It was uh, Phil Graham, former senator from Texas, basically talking about the virtues of Scrooge and the other Victorians who saved their money and provided capital to drive this wonderful economic engine that has been so beneficial to all. I'm thinking, dude, did you read the same story that I read? Will you watch this movie with me? The virtue of Scrooge. What are you talking about? <laughs> my business, the common humanity was my business. Marley tells him, my brother, my suffering brother and sister was my business. Not me hoarding my money and hoping it'll trickle down to you in some generations later, sprinkling wealth over Texas. You know? No, no, no. Now. Now Christ awaits us, and you see him. We have hungry among us more this year than any time in the past. We've got folks, I mean, they strain our uh, soup kitchens. They strain uh, the food banks um, like never before as we've gone through not just our pandemic, but with it, you know, plunged into yet another we just barely were getting over the last uh, recession 
take us into another one. Some of you all, and we've been trying to meet some of those needs here through the parish. This is our common humanity. Um, we share one common life, tied together with a rope, drinking from the same cup. But the good news of Christmas is it is the cup of Christ. It is his cup. And so he says, will you drink it with me in my kingdom? Will you drink it with me in my kingdom? The cup is often in the hands of the poor, the needy, the hungry, the broken, the depressed, the sad, offering us the cup of Christ. When we marry a couple in the church, we give them a single cup to drink from. It is the cup of Christ. Your husband and your wife, your, your love, your children will offer you the cup of Christ. God, give us grace to drink his cup, the cup of our common humanity that has now been united, that we share a common divinity. And feast, feast to the bottom of the cup in this feast of the kingdom. Together we give him glory, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, to ages of ages. Amen.